Welcome aboard the Little Red Bandwagon, your twice-weekly podcast celebrating the radio show turned podcast, Too Beautiful to Live. In Pawtucket, Rhode Island, I'm Bobby Pape, and joining me in Dallas, Texas, Meredith Oldaway Mayhan. Good morning, Meredith. Good morning, Bobby. And in New Brighton, Minnesota, in the Stick of Butter Studios, Ann Lundholm. Good morning, Ann. Good morning, Bobby. We have so much to recap on this week of TBTL from Phoenix, but first, uh, some LRB business. And you recently had way more fun than anyone else ever could with Phyllis Fletcher <laughs> and Stu the Stewbot Newman. Tell us about it. I did. Fletch was in town. She was in the Twin Cities to, um, gosh, she could explain this much better than I could, but she was leading a workshop with some emerging journalists that uh, sounds like it's going to be really cool where they were um, going through a week-long process of producing a story. And she said, hey, Anne, while I'm here, let's get together. Why don't we record something? And I said, yes, I'm into that. And she said, why don't we see if we can get Stubot to come and record with us? And I said, yes, I am also into that. And so we got together uh, of an evening at a pizza place and had some pizza and some beer um, and some Diet Coke, in my case. And we talked about... Uh, recording in public, the TBTL way. And we thought, what would be more meta <laughs> to record in public while talking about recording in public? <laughs> so we just had a good time. And we had a couple of clips that we listened to and talked about. And just as a teaser promo to get everyone to tune in on Friday, this coming Friday, uh, here's my favorite part of the evening. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm so- God, I'm so sorry. I just said that, didn't I? <laughs> I just said that. Oh, God. Frizzell. I'm sorry, Frizzell. I know that you're listening to this, and I know in Austin they don't cotton to that type of language. But, but yeah, I'll probably go to Arby's this week now. I'm hungry for it. So over to you, Anne. I'm going to quit talking. So if anybody wants to know why exactly Stu was apologizing to Mike at length, and the apology did not stop there. <laughs> he apologized on and off for the rest of the discussion. I can't wait. And not just because he's from Minnesota and that's what you do. Mm-hmm. He said a thing that was frankly hilarious. <clears throat> well, I haven't heard it yet, so I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> that episode's going to roll on Friday. This Friday happens to be a fifth Friday of the month, which is always kind of a wild card for us. And we're saving this for that. And thanks to Stu for the shout out in the latest TBTL newsletter, uh, which was a plug for both us and him mm-hmm. as it's for this upcoming episode. I think he mentioned that it was going to be coming out today. Um, I will just give him a demerit for not following our recording <laughs> schedule more closely. <laughs> we have an important week of TBTL to recap, so he's getting bumped to Friday. But uh, stay tuned for that. That'll be our next episode. And speaking of upcoming projects, uh, Christy after our recent uh, interview episode, is extremely excited about this book, uh, Jesus Creek Mysteries, All the Great Pretenders. I have not ordered this on Amazon yet or read it, uh, but one of you, right, has already started it? Yes, I started reading it. It came about actually from the clip episode where we talked about school, Mm. and we had the whole conversation about Jesus Creek, and I happened to Google Jesus Creek just to see what I would get, and there is this book. Uh, that's part of the Jesus Creek Mysteries series. And it's 99 cents on Amazon. And Christy said, we're doing it. So she bought it and read it and I bought it and I'm in the middle of reading it. 
Um, it bills itself as a comedic mystery. And so far, I would say that maybe neither one of those uh, terms fits it that well. <laughs> <laughs> So let's not go into this with great expectations, but I think we're going to do an LRB book club on this. It's still a lot better than doing an LRB book club on great expectations, because that is a beast of a book. Yes. Um, I haven't read it yet, as I said, but Christy said that I might like it because I like Murder, She Wrote. (laughs) Also a comedic mystery (laughs) show. So I'm going to hop on my bike with my basket and ride it all the way to Jesus Creek one of these days soon. I promise I'm going to read it. And if you're going to order it, we'll put a link in the show notes. But you could also just Google uh, or rather go to littleredbamaga.com slash Amazon and then type in Jesus Creek Mysteries, all the great pretenders. It'll come up and then we'll know you bought it, which will be even better. At least we'll know someone bought it Mm -hmm. with our link. Mm -hmm. One more bit of business before we get going. Ashley Gilliam in Dallas, Texas, the woman who Mike said is her... Second favorite lady in Texas after Molly. My dog. Made a very generous gift to us this week. Got us out of a couple more jams. We'll skip the tracker for now, but just uh, thank you, Ashley, for your continued support. As if Ashley didn't do enough for us already. Right. She's the best. No, she's piling on with money just to win our hearts. And that is the way to win our hearts, guys. LittleRedBandWagon.com. <laughs> With your dollars. With that, let's get to where we can review. And Meredith, why don't you get us started? All right. Monday, 2210. Coog, your enthusiasm. Luke has landed in Phoenix, Arizona. He is punchy and loving the Sheridan that he's staying in. Uh, And Andrew is about to be crashing PRPD. Uh, This leads Luke to wonder which one of them is going to be the wingman. And that brings us into a discussion of Some Like It Hot. So we are way off the rails immediately on this show. And... I've never seen this movie, so it was an interesting summary for me. I guess Tony Curtis and Jack Lemmon join an all-women's orchestra in order to escape the mafia, and they end up dressing up like women and then, I guess, getting married? I've never seen the movie either, but it's actually, I believe, and I'm not sure if I'm getting my timeline right, but it's based on a play? Either that or the play is based on the movie. I can't remember. But there is a musical that's called Oh Sugar, that is the stage version of Some Like It Hot that I've seen. And Luke did a pretty good job of summing it up. It's just two guys go undercover as ladies to escape the mob, because that always works. Right? <laughs> so is, is the analogy here that Luke and Andrew are going to ride off into the sunset together <laughs> at PRPD? Well, no, it's in, in the uh, movie slash play, they end up with different people. So right. uh, whoever it was, Tony Curtis, ends up with Marilyn Monroe and uh, whoever the other guy was, God, I can't believe it. Jack I Lemon. Jack yeah, Lemon. thank you. Jack Lemon ends up maybe with the guy who thought he was a lady. <laughs> <laughs> right, because uh, uh, lighthearted joking about sec- uh, homosexuality was, you know, cute uh, and tongue in cheek at the time versus yeah. being perfectly acceptable now. So, right. yeah, um, definitely a movie of an era. Mm-hmm. I'm just impressed that these guys managed to have an entire conversation about wingmen without deciding which one of them was going to take a chubby. <laughs> no comment. Well, clearly Andrew is going to be the wingman, right? <laughs> to do otherwise yes. would upset the natural order of things. <laughs> That's true. He will suck it up. Um, <laughs> we get a discussion about Luke uh, coercing Andrew into buying this ticket, and and <laughs> Luke is taken aback. <laughs> I, this is not my fault. <laughs> but Andrew says uh, the whole thing was your idea. 
Yeah. Yeah, Luke was persuasive and didn't even know it, apparently. Yeah, Andrew, he calls it a, a he justifies this somehow by saying it's it's a TVTL field trip, which seems like a pretty weak excuse mm-hmm. to me. That's a weak justification for, for crashing a, he's not even really going to the conference, he's just lurking around it. <laughs> yeah. I don't get this at all. I think it's actually pretty funny, because what else was he going to be doing this week? He was going to be hanging out at home, recording TBTL from home. He could do that from anywhere, so why not do it from Phoenix? But you're also talking about the guy who went to a condo in Central Texas for a week for no real reason. So, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I think it is... Um, I think Luke gave him just enough encouragement to make it not sound like a terrible idea. Also, mm. apparently, the airfare was pretty cheap. Right. And, right. and how dishonest is it really to sneak into a conference? I was trying to think, where does the money go in the conference? It's in food. So is he eating their food without paying for it? Um, speakers? Yeah, he's screwing the hotel I mean, more than anything. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, what harm is he really doing? Speakers don't get paid per head in the room. So, mm-hmm. eh. It's a relatively harmless. Yeah. Um, Andrew tried to make reservations at Las Palmas Inn, which is $45 for two. Oh We're not sure God. what that means. Two, two nights, beds, two nights, two hours. Two hours. I think it two depends people. how you use the room. <laughs> they have day rates and night rates. <laughs> uh, or his other option is to stay with Luke or to stay at the Friendship Motel, which sounds a lot nicer. Um I, I, you know, I looked this place up online. It looks a little, a little spooky. Yeah, definitely sketchy. Yeah, I'm sure there was a time when it was only moderately sketchy. Yeah. Uh, I've already given extended crappy, creepy hotel talk on this show, so <laughs> I won't get back into it now. But, um, well, I'm going to Rochester in a couple of weeks, and I'm just going for the weekend for a quick one-day work conference. It happens to be at the Eastman School of Music. I am from Rochester. I'm using it as an excuse to visit some family. And Sam's not coming with me. And so I always like to get us a nice hotel room when we go. But when I go alone, I throw caution to the wind. So I bid on a hotel room through Priceline. And I'm staying at an extended Stay America for two nights, uh, which are usually full of, like, weekly construction workers traveling and... (laughs) Mm-hmm. occasional business people and random families. And I just don't care because it's just me. But on the other hand, I don't think I Googled and found any crime sweeps at the extended <laughs> state America in Henrietta. I have a friend who the first result that popped up when I looked for Las Palmas was TripAdvisor. It's pretty normal. I have a friend who <laughs> from college and she uses TripAdvisor in the opposite way that most people do. So she'll look up a place that she's staying and if it has good reviews, she won't do it. Um, she used to run a website called Murder Motels, and so she would go to these horrific motels and kind of revel in the disgusting awfulness of them. And this struck me as a place she would love to go. <laughs> well, that's a choice. A, I've got yeah. a room for her in London, Ontario, if she's interested. <laughs> I'll let her know. <laughs> On to our top story for Monday is Bill Murray bartending in Brooklyn. Uh this this led to an enormous amount of discussion about their neuroses, and I think this really kicks off the theme for the week, mm-hmm. which is uh, them being worried and anxious and insecure about literally everything ever. Um, Luke starts talking about how he's losing his hair, and he theorizes, I think entirely without any uh, basis in reality, that Bill Murray doesn't care about his hair. And he wouldn't care about balding. He's losing his hair a little bit. He's not a conventionally attractive man. But does he care? We're going to say no. (laughs) Right? (laughs) 
he might care. Yeah, I think there's a lot of you know, projecting onto Bill Murray. Yeah, my notes say, well, how do we know what's in Bill Murray's heart? Maybe he goes home from bartending and cries. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's all a giant front. Uh, for years and years, I was, um, well, nobody ever believes me when I say that I was shy. Um, but I think that it's because I actively overcame that. Like, I would just tell myself to go out and be over social and... You know, maybe mm-hmm. deep down inside, Bill Murray's a really sad, depressed man. Mm-hmm. It's possible. Yeah. But it seems like the fact that he projects this confidence uh, makes Luke and Andrew feel inadequate. Um, he's able to just sling drinks at this bar. He names a drink, like a new drink that the bartender makes, and he just takes a sip and he calls it the Depth Finder. <laughs> well, that is a good name. <laughs> that is a pretty cool name. I, I'm not trying to disagree that Bill Murray is awesome. It's just interesting that they are holding him up as the ideal man. Um, I guess uh, he can make a cool speech. He's, you know, off the top of his head, he, he makes a nice speech about his son and Andrew. That gives Andrew second-hand anxiety because he could never do such a thing uh, so eloquently. Um, the other note that I had is this whole discussion just reminded me that... <laughs> It's almost like a person's personality is more important than their physical appearance because they were f- so focused on how he looked yeah. and how they look. Yeah. You don't think physical appearance is more important, Meredith? You're not a shallow, <laughs> terrible human being? I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> I think Bill Murray does a great job crafting his public image. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, you can do that, too. Uh, maybe Luke just needs to be reminded that that doesn't... Um, stop at the end of his Twitter feed. He can actually do that in real life. <laughs> there is nothing wrong with using Bill Murray as a role model, though, I don't think. You know, if he's going to be your template for confident man, then fine. Sure. Yeah, he just, have just a, never... he, he has a trick of looking like he's not trying. I think that's what they want. It's just to look like they're not trying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was Luke was talking about that later in the week about his live wire performance. He he needs to go up there and be relaxed and pretend like he gives no fucks, but he needs to be focused and give all the fucks. And I'm sure that's what Bill Murray's doing. Mm-hmm. Just making a note about giving all the fucks. This is more for me personally <laughs> now. <laughs> anyway, I, I just have never understood the huge obsession with Bill Murray. He's sort of been cultivated beyond his own doing into this mythical figure. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, I guess because it used to be he would show up at frat parties or something. I remember years ago, and I can't remember if this was on TBTL or not. It may have been. But like his drink of choice is champagne over ice because then the ice melts and he doesn't have a hangover in the morning. Um, All this stuff that's sort of apocryphal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, I think he I think he's designed a lot of that. Yeah. But, you know, he, he does this, he, he does things to get his name online and um, have people talking about him. Right. Well, good for him. He's cultivated yeah. a great, a great sense of himself. He has. Um, we get an anonymous voicemail <laughs> from a woman <laughs> who tells a terrible story about how her in-law's house, the only bathroom is right off the kitchen. That's unfortunate. Terrible. Yeah. Terrible. Terrible. Especially if it's your in-laws and not your own family. Mm-hmm. How awkward. Um, And then also along the same line, we get an email from Jill saying that her bathroom's off the dining room. And uh, needless to say, she doesn't host a lot of dinner parties. That's really weird. I can kind of understand the kitchen thing, but off the dining room? Well, it's the circle of life. (laughs) (laughs) I guess you're right there. (laughs) Luke suggests putting in a white noise machine (laughs) or playing music. 
Uh, he suggests smooth jazz, and I guess I'd rather listen to terrible bathroom noises than smooth jazz. Yes. Uh, and then he suggests a recording of terrible bathroom noises, and I'm not sure how that would make things better <laughs> well, in the, any way. The thought, it's shooting the moon. If it's that bad, A, yeah. yours are going to blend in, and B, no one's going to know what was you and what was the tape. Except the homeowners who've probably heard the tape so many times that they know all the beats. <laughs> oh, now there's a thought. Um, I have a couple of notes here. One, uh, my in-law's house actually has a half bath off the kitchen with the dining, like the in-kitchen table right next to that door. Mm-hmm. And then there's a full bath upstairs. And I learned early on, I go upstairs every time. And I don't care what they think I'm doing because I'm going all the way upstairs anytime. I'd still rather do that. Mm-hmm. Then use the half bath off the kitchen. Uh, also, bathroom fans should never be quiet. No. I want to turn on a bathroom fan in any bathroom and have it sound like a jet engine firing <laughs> up. Because <laughs> that's your first line of defense in any bathroom. Like yeah. we, we don't have a vent because we just we have a bathroom with a window. And so you don't have to have one by code. But I've thought about having one installed just for that reason. Like give people some cover. Yeah, I stayed when we were in um, the Pacific Northwest uh, for Christy and Jeremy's wedding. We we took a day night trip up up to uh, Vancouver, and the hotel we stayed in there did not have a fan in the bathroom, and that was the first time I've encountered that, and it was very strange. Was it a fully enclosed windowless bathroom? Yeah. Hmm. Well, since it's Canada, homes on homes should get on that shit. <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> He's got to have a serious talking to with that hotel owner. I know. You just have to turn the faucet on really high. I'm just washing my hands for 15 minutes. <laughs> when, when the house I grew up with, my parents liked to buy old houses and then fix, start to fix them up and then stop because they didn't have the money to do it, probably. Uh, and so most of my childhood, our downstairs bathroom was – the way the house was designed, it, the wall – uh, was the wall to the dining room. So there was only one wall between the bathroom and the dining room. And they had knocked down that wall at some point when we first moved in and never replaced it. And there was a kind of rickety piece of plywood uh, as the not very secure barrier between the dining room and the bathroom. So the people would do that. Like whenever my grandmother would come over, she would be horrified, of course, and I would be horrified for her and she would just turn the faucet on. Sounds like everyone's a, sitting. It's like a one house piece of for, plywood away. Yeah, it's a house for Christy and Jeremy to buy. <laughs> <laughs> I hated it. They, of course, when they sold it, they fixed all of those things, and it looked great. And I was like, "Well, now we should stay." Right. Here. <laughs> <laughs> of course, uh, Meredith. The only other thing that all these bathrooms need are a plaque like the one in your bathroom. Yeah, to indicate the correct way to put toilet paper. Yes, which I showed to Sam when I got back from our trip because I took a picture of it. Uh, and uh, she just said, well, of course, she probably thinks it should be that way, but that doesn't make her right. <gasps> Uh-oh. I know. Disagree. Well, I got that plaque. on. It, it, it's a webcomic called uh, Toothpaste for Breakfast. Is it Toothpaste for Breakfast? Toothpaste for Dinner. Wrong meal. Um, <laughs> a, car- <laughs> a cartoonist, husband and wife, and they, they have a store called Sharing Machine, and that's, that's where I got it if you want one. I do. I'm going to order it as soon as we're done here. That's all I got for Monday. Uh, no point conversion. Yeah. Uh, I guess I should just say, before we started recording, Meredith, you said, I'll take Monday, but you have to help me with no point conversion. Here, And by help, I mean take, because I didn't listen to it. <laughs> here is 100% of the notes I took on no point conversion. The color rush uniforms across the NFL are terrible. Agreed. Um, not as bad as last year, because some teams have all white, which doesn't seem like that big of a deal. Um 
Some of you will remember last year the Bills and Jets played a Thursday night game in color rush uniforms, and the Bills were in all red and the Jets were in all green. It looked like a Christmas Day battle to me. And then we found out after the game started that people who were colorblind couldn't tell who was who. <laughs> so they had to modify the uniforms this year to adjust for that. Um, Bobby, uh, that, I have a question. Yes. What, what's a color rush uniform? Huh, okay. Um, Nike and the NFL, in an effort to sell more shit to everyone, uh, designated one game a year for all the teams, their Thursday night games this year, uh, to have special uniforms, and they're calling them color rush. And so instead of having their home or away color on top and their white pants or two-toned pants, their entire outfit is one obnoxious color. And so the Bills were in all red, red shirt, red pants. Um, the Jets were actually in all white this year with just a little bit of green trim. And the Seahawks are in all glow-in-the-dark, basically. What? <laughs> Are going to be. They're pretty terrible. <laughs> and so then, uh, but, by uh, this logic, uh, the Vikings would be in all purple. Uh, either all purple or all white, if they're going with an alternate uh, or secondary color. Uh, let's see here. Vikings color rush. Um, they're going to be actually almost all yellow with Ooh. purple trim down the legs. That sounds disgusting. Uh, and they're hoping people will buy. Oh wait, what? wait. Nope. I take that back. This year, it's all purple with gold trim. So purple pants, purple shirt. Um, I must have just seen a picture from last year's first. And Vikings tweet from September 13th, you're going to purple heart our color rush uniforms for our 12-1 game. Oh, well, talk about the intersection of sports and military. Yeah. All of these uniforms uh, are really just printing green for the NFL. It's just another way to sell more random shit. (laughs) And people will buy them because they do. Because uh, somebody's favorite color is purple. <laughs> uh, the only other note I have from No Point Conversion, um, the guys bitch and moan about um, offensive interference calls against the Seahawks. That's so, what you do Seahawks, when your team loses, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, the, the Seahawks had a rough go last week, and uh, the guys went right back into their stereotypical fan whining. Uh yeah, that's it. That's all I wrote down the entire time. I listened to the whole thing. All right, then let's go to Tuesday, number 2211, Escape from Las Palmas. And it turns out that uh, after some more consideration, the Las Palmas Inn is not looking like it's such a great option. Um, Andrew's been getting flooded with emails and so forth from people who are informing him about the gang operations, the 250 plus calls for police assistance. And that's in six months, not over a year period. The vagrants, somebody talks about the roosters there, which apparently is a, a major drawback. Well, that was listener Laura, who used to live near there. So I guess she has the inside scoop on roosters. She said it was as bad and not as bad as you'd think at the same time. <laughs> I guess I can see that. <laughs> she thinks that he can handle it for a few days, but um, I don't think that's a good atmosphere for Andrew. And so luckily, uh, as Luke is looking at Airbnb places, Amy Wu comes through with the article about the Hotel San Carlos. Um, so... Thank goodness for that. Yeah, I don't know why anyone would have thought of it. It's only immediately across the street from the host hotel. 
Um, I want to make a quick note here that when they get into the thank you section, they have the Natalie Merchant thanks, and they're playing a very nice version, and they make a reference that it's from Bobby Big Wheels. I wonder who that could be. Hmm. Yeah, I actually have no idea. Sure. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, so here's the thing. If they are referencing me, that's not something we discussed. <laughs> so it, when I heard that, it hadn't even occurred to me that that might be me. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Even though... I emailed them high-quality MP3s of those couple of songs, purely because they were traveling, and I thought they could use the help, because I thought they might be shorthanded and not be able to stream YouTube clips. <laughs> that was very thoughtful of you. Well, uh, it was for the group. I wanted to help them out of a jam. That did not come out of the jam fund. Those were files that I already had in my library, for personal reasons. Mm. Right, and now it's good for not traveling, too, because they'll have them on hand and we don't have to wait for the commercial every exactly. time they're going to do the thanks. <laughs> uh, Andrew says that he wants to create a guide for new listeners to TBTL, and I don't think he understands what he's unleashing with this. <laughs> he wants everyone to email in their questions about the show or ideas for what should go into a listener guide and he wants us to use the subject line revenge of the nerds 2 which he can't even remember day later so that works Mm -hmm. out really well and people have pointed out that we have a wiki a tbtl wiki that april set up but i guess that's not exactly what he was thinking of i'm not sure what he's going for with this well, so there used to be a, a page on the My Northwest page for TBTL that was TBTL 101, and it had a glossary of basic terms. In fact, uh, it's still up. Uh, it's one of the pages that, for one reason or another, My Northwest hasn't scrubbed off. And so you can go back to this page, and it's like, I have it up in front of me now. What is RAR? What are the 10s? What are the 11s? What is Meta, what is doucher? Because this is very much of a time in TV <laughs> yes, <deal> history. <laughs> uh, what are time bandits? Why does Luke call Jen Road Dog? What is the Digstown strategy? <laughs> <laughs> a classic. Yeah. Uh, and that's actually, I just read more than half of the list. It was a very small, quick catch up understanding on the show. Uh, clearly, generations upon generations of new words have been added to the lexicon since then. And so this list would need to be significantly longer. But I think the wiki is the place to do this Mm -hmm. and let the fans do it. Because honestly, Luke and Andrew just aren't going to do it. No, this is way too much work for Andrew. Yeah. Was this operation, it's a dry heat? Or was that something else? (laughs) I don't know. I don't remember. (coughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. Um, Can I, as long as I'm already interrupting, can I interrupt with a, an Andrew quote? And I have issues with my notes. Um, uh, Andrew references on this show. I think it's because they were probably recorded this. I've lost track of what was recorded, which days, but it's on the Tuesday show. And Andrew says he has a big ink stain. Like he got (laughs) shot in the Smurf wars. (laughs) That's also in my notes. That was great. (laughs) That was Tuesday and not, Friday or whatever other day? Well, that's the thing, because the ink explosion comes back up on Wednesday. Yeah. But he's wrestling with the same pair of pants through this trip. So anyway, I just wanted to get the quote out there. Like he got shot in the Smurf Wars. (laughs) It's one of the funniest things I've heard in a long time. Yes. Yeah, that was good. 
The top story for today, a very un-TBTL top story, as Luke acknowledges, is that Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie are divorcing, and Luke and Andrew are surprisingly bummed. And, and Luke, Luke, in fact, uses the word bummed, and Andrew said that he always roots for celebrity couples to stay together. And then this gets into a whole conversation about celebrity divorces um, and why do they stay together and why do they get divorced? And so they talk about the concept of um, having unlimited resources and not needing to stay together from a financial perspective and that there are just no, uh, no pressures that are on normal relationships in celebrity, celebrity pairings. So I don't know. I thought this was a very interesting thing for them to care about at all. I thought it was an interesting discussion to have in, in lacking any actual statistics. Right. Um, because <laughs> I was curious about this. Uh, I, the, the divorce rate of 50% is often cited, but I don't think that's actually true anymore. I think it's lower than that now. Um, but I actually did look up what the celebrity divorce rate is. Now, that's a hard thing to study because how do you define a celebrity? Mm-hmm. Um, but I did find a study that used the census where they, you know, you record your job and your marital status. So this is only people who are remaining divorced. This doesn't track remarried people. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt, like every study. But it showed that dancers and choreographers have the highest divorce rate at 43%. Um, and then bartenders and massage therapists are up there. Lowest entertainers were still in the top 10. I don't know if that's in cap. I mean, of course, that will capture celebrities, but other people as well. Um, but the lowest were engineers, optometrists, clergy, and podiatrists. <laughs> so, well, clergy, that's an easy one to understand. They would yeah, that's what I thought too. Take those vows. Podiatrists. Mm-hmm. Podiatrists and optometrists. That was a surprise. I feel like uh, after what a podiatrist sees all day, home life probably seems not so bad in comparison. <laughs> yeah. Nobody in good shape goes to a podiatrist. Right. Um, not to get super gross. I was actually thinking about this when we did the last episode with Bridget, which, by the way, our last Friday show with Bridget, uh, with a full conversation about the pronunciation of menstruation. Menstruation. Menstruation, depending on who you think you are, um, (laughs) is definitely worth listening to. Uh, One of the things that I thought of while we were doing that show, but I didn't get around to, is all the D-bags in college who would go on Halloween as as an OBGYN. Like, Uh I'm going to wear a white coat and uh, say that I'm a lady doctor for the night. And this is like a common costume. And my thought for them was always... uh, there's no fun happening in that job. <laughs> nope. <laughs> like, like you're 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 in uh, uh, things not being in great shape mode for a lot of your job. Is that really what you want to do all day? As a joke, it just doesn't land for me. And yeah, podiatrists, all doctors, doctors see rough stuff. Yeah. People don't go to the doctor when they're healthy, even though they should. Uh, podiatrists are probably pretty humble people. Yeah. Well, and the other thing to keep in mind is. This, this is not telling us anything about cause and effect. So we don't know if there's something about those jobs that lead to a stressful relationship or if people who aren't great at relationships are attracted to certain jobs. You mm-hmm. know, we don't know which one's causing the other. Um, having money and drugs and fame and fans thrown at you all the time probably doesn't help the marriage right. statistics of entertainers. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I also kind of want to quibble with their whole thesis, though. I mean, if people aren't happily married, I don't think they should stay married. I don't think there's anything sad about that. No. Yeah, that's a good point. It's much sadder um, when they stay together 
for the financial reasons. Right. Right. And then the uh, kids have parents who hate each other. Right. I think I understand dancers and choreographers, too. Long hours and close quarters tend to make for a lot of bad marriages. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Luke says that we can't be in anyone else's life, which I wish that he would remember when they're talking about Bill Murray. And Andrew <laughs> says that lack of fidelity in relationships bothers him, which is, um, I think, <laughs> that bothers everybody, right? Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Um, uh, Luke talks about that what he's learned from relationships is that most of the work that we think that the other person should do is work that we should really be doing on ourselves, which is evidence of his maturity, I think. And then they move on to hating on Bono for a while. (laughs) (laughs) Because Angelina is the Bono of Hollywood because she's doing consciously you know, responsible movies now. Right. So they, they talk about resting Bono face and how... He always looks like he's really proud of himself. And I put in my notes, so what? So what if Bono's proud of himself? He does some good stuff. Angelina cares a lot about uh, children and refugees and war-torn parts of the world. And she's making movies of some quality, trying to address these things. (laughs) And um, what's so bad about that? Not everybody can be insecure enough to be self-deprecating all the time. (laughs) Bono's just the opposite of Bill Murray when it comes to curating your image. Bono's doing tons of good stuff, but he hasn't put any time into not looking like a jackass. Uh, Because that's the way the world sees him. I mean, it just is, for whatever reason. And he just doesn't care, so whatever. Right. He's saving Africa or something. He's busy. He doesn't have time to... (laughs) Go bartend somewhere for fun. I was not happy about having to delete him off of my iPhone. So I will give him crap for that. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's true. Um, moving on. Self-driving cars are being tes- tested in Pittsburgh. Was this, um, was this in relation to Uber? Or were they just talking about Uber later? I don't remember. There well, are but- some Uber self-driving cars bopping around Pittsburgh. Right. There was a there was a uh, I got a news alert on Monday that the government had set some regulations. I think that's why they were talking about it. It was in the news. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Luke's main thrust on this is that he is really impressed at the speed with which we've gone from concept to uh, prototype. I guess he thinks that's pretty incredible, and I would say that I I have to agree with him. And he's just really looking forward to the day when he can sit in the back of that self-driving car and be taken to where he needs to go. Um, yeah, I am too. <laughs> yeah. I think it'll be great. I think that uh, computers will be better at driving than humans. Yes. Yeah. And I, I like the idea of them testing it in Pittsburgh, the city with more bridges than any other city. If they can do it in Pittsburgh, they can do it anywhere. <laughs> I think we might be in for a rough transition when the road is part self-driving and still part people driving. Yes. But once we transition to all self-driving cars, then, yeah, I think it'll be way better. Yeah. The one thing I was thinking about is, you know, these cars are just going to take us to our destination regardless of what's going on inside of the car. So what happens if somebody, like, has a heart attack on their way to a dinner party and then they just arrive (laughs) dead? (laughs) Um, Sounds like another season of Murder, She Wrote. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's the only problem I can think of so far. Otherwise, perfect. 
And um, there's more car talk in that Andrew says um, that Capitol Hill is now Tesla town. I'm not sure if this is a good thing or a bad thing. Um, I saw Tesla in my neighborhood for the first time a couple of weeks ago. And uh, anybody who's Facebook friends with me will have seen I posted that this red Tesla had the license plate Yesla. And I have never <laughs> been so irritated with anybody just on principle. <laughs> I have nothing against Tesla, but I'm really annoyed with that person. I think that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I've never seen somebody ask to have such an expensive car get vandalized. <laughs> uh, today in emails, we go back to uh, an emailer from last week, Eric, who had the disabled father who would confront people who parked in the disabled parking spot in his wheelchair and block them in. And the guys wanted to know how exactly these situations played out. And Eric said that most people apologize and that they've had two occasions where some people have been reduced into raging at them. And his father is a reverend. So Eric loves to say, Reverend Carlson, we need to go in the midst of these confrontations (laughs) just to add a little extra something special to that, which is awesome. Way to go, guys. Yeah. And Lisa has some feedback about the push-up challenge. She says, don't give up because she's doing the push-up challenge along with them. She's 62 years old and she had spinal surgery and the push-ups are really helping her. And so she wants us to continue to which Luke has the response. Dang it, Lisa. And he says he'll (laughs) get back on the wagon. And they talk about at least do some of the push-ups, if not all of the push-ups. Focus on the daily goal and do what you can. And it's not about the goal. It's about the journey, I guess. So, if you guys want to get back on, you can. I deleted no, the app. I did too. Oh gosh. <laughs> well, that's it then. It's final. <laughs> Lisa, you need better role models. On to Wednesday 2212. <laughs> Conference adjacent. We're at the Hotel San Carlos. Andrew is still wrestling with his ink exploded pants. Uh, And he made friends with the elevator repairman briefly in his hotel because they were working on the elevator and encouraged him to get on the elevator while they were trying to figure out if it still worked or not. (laughs) So helpful. The guys are talking about packing and make a stupid Tetris joke about how if you pack in the clothes perfectly, they all disappear. And then Luke tells us, that he's not sure if the windows are tinted in his hotel room or not, but he hopes so because, once again, he's been doing T25 in his underwear. <laughs> at my office, um, so I'm at the University of Minnesota, and they have been putting up student housing like crazy. And it's non-university affiliated. It's not dormitories. It's just whatever development company is coming in and putting up student housing. And there's one right across from my office that's like seven floors. And I have considered calling into the management office and asking them to remind their tenants that they are, in fact, not tinted windows. And we can see everything that happens over Uh-oh. there. And I have seen everything. In one morning, I innocently went to check and see if it had stopped raining. And I looked across the street and I got a young gentleman, full frontal, stretching at the window. I don't know if he meant to show me, but I thought maybe I shouldn't look. I've seen lots of really interesting stuff that I'm not sure that people would like to be displaying to the world. It's not even your birthday. 
No. <laughs> and you've <laughs> got these college students. Um, as Luke said, it's like staring at the sun. I agree with this full-heartedly. If people catch me running from the bathroom to after taking a shower upstairs to get dressed and the curtains are only 90% closed and someone's really trying that hard to get a peek into the house, uh, good good on them. Congratulations. You got what you came for. Good luck with that. It's your funeral. I'm not paying for your therapy. <laughs> yeah, that's I just pretty much care. how I feel. Yeah. Yeah, I just don't care. Now, this... This building full of college students that may not realize that their building is pretty exposed. <laughs> you know, maybe that's a different story, but uh, kids are just stupid, too, which has a lot to do with that. Uh, Luke tells a story of a little next-door fun titillation uh, when he was a teenager being flashed some bra by a girl next door for through her basement window. Just a little... Um, uh, Christmas vacation moment <laughs> from Luke. Um, Andrew teases an oh Andrew story. And it was Andrew who was invited up to help help a girl change, quote unquote, after swimming. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Andrew. <laughs> uh, Luke recounts his uh, famous back rub story from the girl who just wouldn't give him a sign. <laughs> And Andrew reminds us of the time he uh, referenced the obligatory kiss at the end of a date. That makes me cringe every time. Every yep. time. Yep. <laughs> uh, Andrew also uh, mentions a time when he has uh, turned away the advances of a sounds like pretty drunk girl. Um, and uh, that was actually the responsible thing to do. Yes. Just in case anyone had any question about that. Um and it reminded me of a time I was in a similar situation. This was many years ago now. And uh, I was uh, hanging out with uh, a girl whose name, I'll just say her name is Megan. Uh, we had been hanging out somewhat casually. And she invited me over to her house after I got out of work. And she had some friends over and they all started to leave. And she was blitzed before I even got there. And uh, after everybody else left, it was just the two of us, and she invited me in, and I was just like, I'm going to make sure you get to bed, and then I'm going to leave. And um, uh, she was not particularly happy that I was rejecting her, and then she got halfway up the stairs to her bedroom and vomited everywhere. Oh. Just like suddenly went from excited to angry at me to gross. Oh. <laughs> Um, and it was just this instant gratification that I'd made the right choice. Yeah. <laughs> I got her cleaned up, put her to bed, and then left. And then I called oh. her in the morning, and I was like, I think you drink a little too much. <laughs> uh, that did not last. Um, but uh, I was glad to hear, you know, despite it being for probably the nervously wrong reasons, Andrew did the right thing. It was good. Mm -hmm. uh, we get to talk of karaoke in uh, Minnesota. And, uh, or excuse me, in uh, Phoenix. And Eric the Viking, the engineer from Minnesota Public Radio, and his rendition of Build Me Up Buttercup <laughs> at a townie bar. It was spirited. <laughs> uh, a townie bar so rough that uh, the guys said you should probably order a drink that sends a message when you come in so they don't judge you poorly. <laughs> A shot and a beer. Yeah. <laughs> Did you guys watch the video that Andrew posted of this performance? <laughs> yes. I did indeed. 
I didn't uh, think that that bar looked that rough. No. No. It's not some Seattle hipster bar, but it didn't look any more rough than the Mandarin Gate. Mm -mm. Uh, Gary Oki, as I see you guys have in the notes, (laughs) (laughs) he posted the video. And I would say Eric is a good singer, but a better screamer. Yes. I watched that before I knew the story behind it. I was really confused. (laughs) (laughs) Under the top story. That's in the Stens page, by the way. Andrew posted that to the Stens page. Just dig under 30 or 40 completely irrelevant posts about anything about TBTI and you'll find it. (laughs) Your top story for Wednesday. um, uh, An old man found an old Topps brand trading card Bazooka Joe prize form and sent it in, and the company honored it and sent him a baseball glove, and it was adorable. And mm-hmm. can you imagine a better amount of PR that a company could have gotten out of a $50 baseball glove? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> adorable and genius. Um, Luke talks about, in his teenage years, hopefully maybe younger, actually, his life revolved around boobs and bubblegum. Uh, big league two which we used to buy as kids from time to time and every couple of years i'm good for sending a pack of big league two to my to my buddy ben in pittsburgh actually with the self-driving cars uh and just reminding him that we used to be obsessed with the stuff and i have to confess that my mouth watered wanting gum while they were talking about all this which is disgusting but it was just pavlovian (laughs) oh yeah i loved big league two yeah grape hubba bubba (laughs) <laughs> yep. I was also weirdly obsessed with the gum that had juice inside of it. Yes. Such a weird gimmick. But like you, you chew that Gatorade gum and you're like, I'm going to be good at sports now. <laughs> That's exactly what I do every time. And then I'm still terrible. Yeah. It's weird. I like that. Luke said gum rules everything around me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Green. <laughs> oh, let's see. Where do we go from gum? It's all downhill from here. Uh, it's a conversation about adjective orders in sentences that's interesting but not worth really rehashing. Uh, I note that Chris Hayes said that Hillary uh, that Trump is worse than a Hillary presidency for the GOP. I think that's true. Maybe we shouldn't skip over the adjective order just because of the Canadian sweet boy. Yeah, I think that was worth it that they kept re- repeating that. And I, I did think this was an interesting topic because I'd never thought about that. But it does sound super weird when you mess up the order. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that was a copy editor thing for me when I was doing newspaper copy editing. Once in a while, people would write out of order, and I never knew a rule for it specifically, but I always switched the order to not sound creepy. Yeah. No Canadian sweet boys on my watch. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a dessert. It sounds awful. <laughs> <laughs> I think you two took that completely different direction. Uh, yeah. <laughs> She's like, delicious, and I'm like, uh-oh. Uh, Luke got a steal on a decide within reach rocking chair. He's that pretty, is a steal. Yeah, that he, place is fortune. He's pumped about this one. I, I would be too. Yeah, I don't blame him. Uh, and uh, there was an email about a TPTL one sheet. Was this just the glossary dream? This was when Andrew had already forgotten what Revenge of the Nerds two was all about. Right. It was someone who was equating the TPTL guidebook with a religious tract. Oh right. Oh right. <laughs> <laughs> So we could stand in airports handing out TBTL tracks, but no bubblegum. No gum. Right. Yeah. Uh, it made me think uh, on on campus, because of course there are always weirdo preachers on every college campus. There is this guy at the University of Minnesota who's always all dressed in white, and he always has his religious tract, and he's always standing on top of something, like out on the the main quad, preaching. And I was walking past one day, 
And I clearly heard him say Gandalf. And I was like, excuse me? And I stopped to listen, and he was reading from The Lord of the Rings. So he's just out there making noise. It doesn't even matter what he's saying. Mm -hmm. I think I really like that. I think it's nice (laughs) that he's mixing it up with all the people who actually mean what they're saying. (laughs) Oh, he's crazy. He is straight up crazy. I don't think Walter was like that when he was handing out religious tracts. No. No. Uh, Talk to Jeremy, though. He's got some stories. I bet. Both about being on the religious side and on the brawling with the religious side from the time he stole a megaphone from a preacher on the street. (laughs) Anne, will you take us to Thursday, please? All right. Thursday, 2213. Three bosses, one Welsh. Uh, And we are moving into the extremely confusing part of the timeline for the week as they're talking about tomorrow's podcast today. (laughs) And at the time I understood it, but I don't think I want to go back and untangle all the the recording times and and places. Um, But they are recording in advance because Luke's got live wire tomorrow. I assume that's why they're doing it. And Andrew's heading home. Uh, Luke has got two red wines for himself that he got at whatever mixer they were at previously. And Andrew sold him out to Steve Nelson, who he was chatting with by saying, oh yeah, both of those are for Luke. (laughs) (laughs) Instead of letting Steve think that maybe Luke was behaving responsibly. Um, They talk about Livewire. I mean, really, that takes up most of the next two days, Thursday and Friday, is, is Livewire talk. And Andrew mentioned that Luke's official Livewire bio references his Emmy, which Luke had no idea about. And I was very interested to see whether he would embrace this or be embarrassed by it. And I'm not quite sure which reaction he had. I think he was going for confused denial. (laughs) Um, He has an Emmy. It's worth noting. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm actually I just pulled up his bio right now. Oh, you know what? No, it wasn't his official Livewire bio, because I'm looking at it here and it's not there. It was the one that the venue wrote for him. Oh, right. Right. Because I'm sure with a Google search, that probably comes up, or it's probably the first line of his Wikipedia page now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, so. who takes care of Luke's Wikipedia page? That's a- It is in the first line. He's an Emmy Award winning American <laughs> radio host and podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good question. Um View history. I don't know. Uh, my guess is there's a lot. Uh, external. The last edit is from September 1st, 2016. External links. Update cat per Wikipedia something. I can never read how these things work, but something about a cat. Is the Bay Kitty in here somewhere now? <laughs> I'm just curious because given how he curates his Twitter feed, you would think that maybe he would be very concerned about exactly what his Wikipedia page says, but maybe not. Maybe. Cat probably stands for category, by the way. I just got excited. (laughs) (laughs) And they go on to talking about should they, whoever they is, change the name podcast to something else? Because podcast doesn't make any sense anymore since nobody uses iPods. I think the ship has sailed on that one. Uh, Yeah, I think we're a little past the point of no return. Also, Um, I just printed new business cards for myself and I put podcaster on them. So I'm going to be really (laughs) pissed and out like $30 uh if we change it now. So please wait until I get through. Let me get through 500 cards and then you can do whatever you want. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Luke did not go to Ira Glass's talk today because... He felt really insecure about it. He wasn't sure if I would, would 
would remember him. So he just felt like he didn't want to get into it. And of course, as luck would have it, then he and Andrew ran into Ira in the hallway of the hotel just this evening. And um, he did uh, introduce himself. Uh, did we find out if Ira did remember him, right? Yeah. Yeah, it sounded so. like, yeah. I think so. I think that was kind of the point. It It's Ira Glass, of course he remembers Luke. It's not like he's Paula Poundstone. <laughs> <laughs> right. And this leads them down a whole long discussion about... Am I important enough to this important person such that this per- person would remember me? And we get tangled up in lanyard talk during this, in which Luke insists that it's not a power move to not wear his lanyard. It's a coolness factor move. Uh, but he does say that it's very helpful when other people wear their lanyards so that he can identify them. He just wants to make other people work really hard to remember <laughs> I just, this whole identity thing is beyond me. He doesn't want to be identifiable. He doesn't want to not look cool. He, I, like, I don't even, it's just looping around on itself so much. I can't make any sense of it. You don't have to. Oh, thank it's you. Okay. I have a minor lanyard story. Um, there's a, a the, the software that I use for work is called SAS, and it's a huge company. Last year, or this past year, it was in Las Vegas, and it was at the Venetian. Lanyard use was strictly enforced. I couldn't have gotten anywhere within the expo area without my lanyard, so I wore it. It doesn't bother me. But the first day, I was wearing a top made out of this kind of gauzy, fine fabric, and the friction from the plastic edges of the lanyard was like tearing it apart. Oh. <laughs> it was getting pilled up. So I was really irritated at the lanyard, but we also had those stupid ribbons. Um, at the at the little check-in area, you could you could pick up whatever ribbon you wanted, and there were probably twenty different options, and they were supposed to be playful and funny. So there was like, there were there were ones that were defining your job. So like biostatistician, um, how many of the conferences had you been to before? So first, second, third, fourth, fifth, whatever. Data geek, power user, blah 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 blah. So I wasn't going to get any of these stupid things, but I picked up about ten of them, stuck them to the back of the lanyard. <laughs> Because they were like silky to cover up the edges. So it didn't ruin my shirt. That's so fairly there's genius. One, that's one good thing <laughs> those ribbons are good for. I like it. It looked ridiculous, but I don't care. Yeah, exactly. Um, I have never, I've only been to a couple of conferences where I've gotten a real lanyard that had any significance. Um, but I'll, I'll report back in two weeks when I go to this one day thing. I don't know if we're going to be there long enough for it to be worth it, although there is a quote-unquote cocktail reception in the afternoon and usually there are tickets for things like that mm-hmm. and so the mm-hmm. lanyard's usually your way to get your tickets um my minor grievance of the week is that they call it a cocktail reception but then in the description it says that beer and wine will be served <laughs> which are not cocktails so your assistant chief petty officer <laughs> uh moving away from lanyard and identity talk we get to the top story is that the there was a royal canadian mint employee who was busted after smuggling hundred and eighty thousand dollars i tuned out for a minute i don't know if that that was canadian or american dollars uh but whichever the case in gold out in his butt essentially he had (laughs) eight ounce pucks of gold which he then took to the cash for gold type store that was at the mall. And the way that he got caught was that he was taking the checks that he got from 
said store to the bank, and an alert bank teller thought that he was making these deposits with alarming regularity. And so when they went and did the investigation, they found four of these gold pucks in a safety deposit box. And to Andrew's total delight, uh, a jar of Vaseline in the guy's work locker. <laughs> um, and he references his, his father, what he calls a Bob Walsh special, saying, I got a mission for you because they realized that someone was going to have to test to see if this was a way that you actually could smuggle a gold puck out and what hapless security professional had to take this task. That seems unnecessary. Maybe mm-hmm. someone maybe someone volunteered. I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not here to judge. Ugh. It's not for me. Also, the shape is not great. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the Vaseline is for. Uh, as they were describing this, and this has come up on several podcasts I listened to this week, um, it sounded a little like they're having trouble accounting for exactly how much gold the Canadian Mint has, mm-hmm. and that it sort of gets scooped in such a way that it could be like the scraps. And it just reminded me of Superman 3. Like, this is, he's just stealing the, the percentages of like the the fractions of pennies falling off mm-hmm. these gold pucks. <laughs> He's taking the remainder that otherwise would not be counted anyway, somehow. Um, and his attorney is trying to make the case that since the Canadian Mint doesn't know how much gold they have, and since he doesn't have the gold, they can't really prove that that's where he got the gold. Uh, ex- <laughs> except for the Vaseline part. <laughs> <laughs> I guess if I was his lawyer, that's the... The tack I would take. What else is he going to yeah. do? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the real dazzling detail here is that the Canadian gold is in pucks. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> I don't know. It seems like $180,000 is not that much. I mean, yeah. if you're going to put gold in your butt, shouldn't it be for more money? More than that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, not here to judge. The money might have just been a bonus. Ah, true. <laughs> Could have been in it for the thrill. Some people like to steal. Yeah. All right. Well, I wish him a pleasant time in jail. He's done some <laughs> prep for it. Uh, let's get to Sky Jinx. There is a Malaysian man who was in the airport in Singapore and overslept, missed his flight, and so he ended up forging 31 mobile boarding passes, not to get on planes, but so that he could enter various airport lounges. And he managed to live there for 18 days. What was his motivation for this? That he was unemployed? (laughs) Yeah, I think so. He had no reason to go home. Because airports are like the least pleasant place on earth. Yeah, and they do talk about where did he sleep in the airport. Well, you see people sleeping on the seats a lot. What's that um, Tom Hanks movie? Oh, yeah. Uh, where, where he's a character who's stuck in LAX, I think. Was that Cast the away, terminal? But in the airport. Yes, the terminal, I believe. So maybe he just really likes the movie, The Terminal. <laughs> but he also likes luxury. So <laughs> he's going to be the terminal guy, but he's going to eat a mug full of soup from the Alaska boardroom once in a while. <laughs> And they get into a gigantic tangent, crazy, I know that they would get into a tangent about something, uh, about how Andrew does not own a printer. 
at this point. (laughs) (laughs) He's free riding in the printing universe. (laughs) Yes. And so they get into a conversation about the whole idea of freeloading and the attitude or the mentality of the universe will provide. But that doesn't take into account all the people who actually have their shit together and who are the ones who have to do the work and accommodate the freeloaders. And they make a couple of veiled references, and I wrote in my notes that they are so talking about the mummy. And then Luke straight out said (laughs) Isaac. Yeah. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah. Um, But if you ever need a shed built in your backyard six months from now... He's your guy. He's your guy. guy. (laughs) I guess I can't see being without a printer. I don't use mine a lot, but I have it. I mean, aren't there times you just need to print something? I have two printers and they get used fairly often i mean i also work from home but uh just just all the time there's always something there's some form or something and i'm all about paperless i it was this one andrew mentioned that he just takes pictures of documents with his phone yes and i among many other people went on twitter and facebook and was like there are apps for that Mm-hmm. Make PDFs. Don't be a terrible person who sends JPEGs of documents to people. Yeah. Use Evernote. Yeah. I use Scanner Pro. It's great. Dumps it in my Dropbox, though. Somebody just told me Dropbox, the app, now has a scanner built into it. Um, yeah. Use any one of the, but you still have to print it out and sign it. Uh, Not if you electronically sign things. You can do that in Adobe now. Yeah, that's true. And- I do that for work all the time. And I actually have the PDF reader on my Mac has a thing where you can take a picture of your signature, scan in your signature, and then just paste it into things. Yeah. Um, I did a lot of our mortgage documents like that a couple of years ago, mainly because mm-hmm. Sam was really busy. So I electronically signed a bunch of stuff with her name on it. Um, yeah. Don't tell her about the other house we own. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> she doesn't listen at least to for this. Another, at least for another year <laughs> until they throw us out, because I am... Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah... But you still, there's just shit that comes up once in a while, and I don't want to have to run out and find someone with a printer. No, I like yeah. the idea that Luke said it would bother him more if he kept having to mail stuff to Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I think uh, Andrew made a reference to, uh, on the few times that he needed to print something out in L.A., then they would just print it off at Genevieve's work and bring it out. And I'm not sure how they got into spy talk, but they were mentioning, mention came up of Robert Hansen, the famous CIA spy. And I just want to um, recommend a movie called Breach, if people haven't seen it, starring Chris Cooper as Robert Hansen and Ryan Philippi as the young uh, CIA agent they put in undercover as his aide to bust him. When he, It's a really good movie. So, I don't know. That's It's one of my favorites, so I had to recommend it. And then... They talk about the cartoon Spy versus Spy, and were they actually birds or were they people? (laughs) (laughs) I always assumed they were people wearing plague masks. Yeah. Or does it matter if they're people or not? They were just beings. Right. It's honestly the most thought I've ever put into it. I know. I never (laughs) questioned it one way or another. Yeah. Uh, Moving on to emails. Uh, we get a mansplaining joke from Audi or Audi or probably Audi as Luke digresses Audi. to talk about the pronunciation of Audi. Uh, where does the mansplainer get his water from the well? Actually, which is a joke that I've seen elsewhere, but Andrew really probably liked it. on this show because I made it months ago. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I didn't come up with it, but 
it, it's still it's a fun joke. It's a and, good joke. Um, and then Andrew ends with a cute story about his little upstairs neighbor, Elena, the little girl that he babysat before that he and Genevieve have, I guess, apparently been babysitting off and on. And first about how she understands collateral now as she swapped Genevieve's sunglasses for one of her toys. And then he tells a story about how uh, she was playing with his Johnny doll, right? Andrew's Johnny. It's endlessly confusing. Yes. yes. And yeah, it's and go by the length her, of the names. Yes. Okay, good. Yeah. And how he explained to her that it was him and she didn't necessarily seem to be processing, but then she connected it to the uh, standee figure that Jack Taylor made of Andrew that was at the picnic. And he said it was really cool to watch a young person first, first start to make those kinds of connections. And it sounds like he's going to miss her when they move. It was real mm-hmm. cute. Yeah. Yeah. And that's Thursday. All right. Friday, twenty two fourteen. observational almost humor, which describes a lot of the week, I think. <laughs> yes. Um, they're recording this on Thursday. More confusion in the space-time continuum here. And Luke is anxious about Livewire, which is coming up in a couple of hours. They're in his Howard Hughes-esque hotel room. Uh, And Andrew is consistently being distracted by the weather outside. They're saying that, you know, every there's uh, a wet heat. It's swampy as hell. um, And the rain is confusing Andrew quite a bit. Oh, good God, it's Uh, rain, Andrew. This leads to... (laughs) I know. This leads to... Luke's terrific joke about coming from the Pacific Northwest to Phoenix to experience rain. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Really groundbreaking humor. A quick note. <laughs> uh, did, I, did you listen to the Livewire episode taped in Seattle? Yes, no. I did. So did you notice at the very end in the credits that both Andrew and Carrie had additional writing credits on that show? Oh. oh. At the very end when they're, when they're reading through now that show used to have kind of a bigger roster of writers, quote unquote, and mm-hmm. it doubled as like the sketch comedy team that was most gratefully fired or let go or transitioned <laughs> yes, thank out. You. Yes. Um, they actually did a little bit of sketch comedy in the last show, but it was mainly Paul F. Tompkins and that's fine. He can do whatever he wants mm-hmm. because it always works. Uh, but at the very end, there's like two writers on the show and then additional writing help from those people. And then Andrew Walsh and then Carrie Burbank. And he just says, that name sounds familiar. And then he moves on. <laughs> <laughs> and it just makes me wonder what they wrote because Andrew joked a while back about how he, they joked about how he got his associate producer credit on Livewire. And it sounds like he actually kind of did. Yeah. Good I'm glad him. he's helping Luke with this joke because it's pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, they improved it significantly, and yeah. then they disimproved it, and then they re-improved it, and I'm not sure where it ended up. <laughs> not either. Well, if there was ever a cliffhanger to listen to the next live wire. Yes. Uh, Luke is a little anxious about interviewing Penn Jillette because Penn Jillette is an asshole, self-admittedly, and uh, the he calls him the Ira Glass of magic. I'm not quite sure where that came in. Yeah, I'm not sure how they got to that either. Um, but they're, they're interviewing him, and it sounds like he was not fully on board with being there because he's a busy guy and he's doing his show in Vegas. He just found out he needs to go to Phoenix <laughs> to, to be on the show. Oh yeah, that and makes me And they're also nervous. interviewing. Yeah, me too. They're also interviewing a bug guy who is a scientist and not an entertainer. Uh, so that could be unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah, and didn't they say um, that he wasn't totally thrilled about just being the bug guy? 
The guy who gets stung by bugs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he doesn't want that to be his legacy. Uh, Luke drank a bunch of coffee. He's uh, jittery and empty and kind of sick feeling. He didn't drink too much, which leads to the great comment about his resting alcohol level. <laughs> you don't want to under or overshoot that. Right. Just the baseline amount that's just in his blood now forever. Right. Is that what he's talking about? And where you need to keep it. It's like managing your insulin, but for alcoholics. That's called being an alcoholic, I yeah. think, right? Yeah. yeah. He's getting the shakes. Uh, he wants to take a nap and a shower, but he probably doesn't have time, so he's just going to stress out about Livewire until he gets on stage. Um, Luke talks about being on a, I think it was a PRI panel yep. at the conference about diversity on NPR. Why he was on that panel is far beyond No, me. I understand oh. it completely because he was the token white male. There were five people on that panel. Four of them were women. Three of them were black. I guess that's better than most diversity panels, which are all white men most of the right. time. Uh, someone tweeted a picture of him looking like the definition of mansplaining when he was saying <laughs> something. <laughs> I hope that ends up in the dictionary. Uh, and then they talk about housekeeping. <laughs> housekeeping yeah in hotels uh every time luke mentions something about being in a hotel room or staying in a hotel room andrew goes that's gross that's so gross <laughs> uh because luke is reveling kind of in his own filth and andrew is proud that he's never used the same towel twice his whole stay seems a little wasteful i mean we've discussed towel usage on this show uh i, I don't think there's anything wrong with using a towel two or three times mm -mm. Well, I think the problem is uh, if hotels are going to expect you to use those towels over and over again, then they need to get you some Karen Pence towel charms. That's true. How are we supposed to know? I guess other than the <laughs> fact that we're in a hotel room alone <laughs> in these cases. Right. No, you have to buy something. <laughs> uh, moving on, Andrew stole the emergency instructions from the airplane on his way here and because he wanted to use the pictures for tweets right right yeah like the kids so their memes. memes yeah yeah memes yeah yeah uh, yeah and, and they talk about how when you sit in the emergency row you have to give a verbal yes to the flight attendant about your willingness to assist in the case of emergency and luke said that is his most anxious public speaking moment <laughs> i don't get it <laughs> all right i don't like public speaking but this this is not a blip on my radar you just say yes to the person <laughs> or grunt you don't even have to say yes you just go oh yeah I mean, and it's the only acceptable answer, because if you say no, you have to move. Not only do you have to move, but I have a feeling they start looking at you like you need advanced screening. Right. <laughs> and then Luke tells a story about how he put his Penn Jillette book on top of the emergency instructions in his seat back pocket and the flight attendant got really pissy with him about that because if there was an emergency he would pick up the pendulette book and do some magic instead of saving the airplane <laughs> surely that's what would happen yeah that that's but a Luke flight is, attendant Luke is that's matured. seen too much shit is what that is she just has no patience for any of that nonsense anymore yeah she's at the end of her rope and i, I don't blame her that's a hard job mm -hmm. she needs some chocolate exactly Luke should have been on that. He's too good for that now, I'm imagining. I doubt he's done that in a long time. Well, that would be a fortune in chocolates based on how much he's flying. That's true. Um, he doesn't go off. He doesn't go big dog on her because he's now cool, calm Luke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And he said that he was proud of himself because he's gone two days without having a, quote, run-in. 
because he's now cool, calm Luke. And Andrew's like, what? Two days? <laughs> this is our new benchmark? Yeah. And then Andrew talks about how he wanted to just take a picture of those instructions, but there was a fat guy sitting next to him, so he just stole it. <laughs> Story checks out. It would have been too yeah. easy to get up for a minute and do it in the aisle or wait until that guy gets off the plane. Yeah, there's no other way around this. Yeah, or look on the internet, because it probably already exists somewhere. Mm-hmm. I imagine this yeah. is the kind of thing that there's a PDF deep on an airline's website for the people who absolutely want to look up everything before they get on a plane. I'm sure there is, yeah. 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 Our top story today is that the physical and digital versions, versions of the records that were sent into space on Voyager spacecraft in 1977 will be available for purchase. Um, it had sound he says it's sound of andrewian's heartbeat um and i was under the impression that it was her brain waves but i guess it could be both i don't see why you know it could be a diagram of her brain waves and an audio of her heartbeat um whale sounds music pictures uh some bach and then unfortunately some johnny b good which luke or andrew thinks should be launched into space forever <laughs> <laughs> Well, my I question get that hatred. Yeah, when was the last time either of you heard Johnny Be Good just out and about? I don't know if I can even call it up in my brain right now. Yeah, uh, uh, what's um, if Back to the Future? It's probably the only time that this comes yeah. up, right? This is if the movie Back to the Future is on. Um, right, or I'm Back not sure that two. we. Yeah, we don't need to retire a song that nobody ever hears. Right. <laughs> uh, Usually, if I'm in a bar and the Charleston comes on, I know to leave before Johnny B. Good comes on. Because <laughs> it's probably on a playlist of old-timey songs that never get played anymore. Yeah. yeah. And then Luke is reminiscing about Louie Louie that they play after the uh, ball game song at Mariners Games. Um, and surprisingly, Andrew said he likes the bongo cam. He's, he's all curmudgeonly <laughs> about this song. This is where you're taken by surprise and put up on uh, the Jumbotron. I, that seems like Andrew's worst nightmare to me, but he seems kind of interested in it. He likes the imaginary bongos and the Simba cam. I am not familiar with the Simba cam. I don't think I've ever been to a game where I've seen that happen. Um, and when we went to the the game together in the Twin Cities, I was impressed because it was the Prince cam. Yeah. Which went around with a purple haze. <laughs> around the edges of it and uh which is not prince but whatever anyway purple trimming and the prince symbol but i don't know what people were supposed to do on the prince appreciate cam. appreciate prince yeah i'm pretty <laughs> sure the joke that i made then and i'll make it again now is that anything you could do to properly appreciate prince on camera will get you thrown out of a <laughs> twins game <laughs> uh but it did get me wondering uh if they're doing all these things to get away from things like the kiss cam because mm-hmm. That's extremely heteronormative. I've always, right. yeah. I've always wondered how you pick people for the. I mean, I guess you look for the people who are kind of already flirting kind of. and lovey already. But like, mm-hmm. uh, even if like if Sam and I are at a hockey game, I don't want to end up on the kiss, on the kiss cam. I really don't. So when they put the thing up, I will like we'll just turn shoulders away from each other for two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> look like we're with the people next to us, but like then you have to kiss a stranger. Well, that's just it too. It's like it's 2016. You don't know who's with who and what their situation yeah. is. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, problematic opportunity. And if you don't kiss when they put that thing on you, you're a, you're a jackass. Yeah. The whole place yep. boos you. Right. So right. at least the bongos cam is. Um, Gender neutral and and independent. 
<laughs> so I guess yeah. I like it for that. Exactly. Uh, the Simba cam is like you hold your baby up like circle of sure. life, I think, okay. right? Yeah. That makes sense. So that only works with people with babies. I guess that is, that's an easier, less fraught version of the kiss cam. And then you go to the, the bathroom that's awkwardly close to the concession stand. Right. <laughs> Why do they put it right next door? Ugh, gross. Um, Luke asks Andrew what, he, what music he would send into space. And he said Kanye. And I agree with your notes. And sure, let's send Kanye into space. <laughs> Absolutely. Why stop at the music? Right. <laughs> He'll be up there ready to perform on a moment's notice for all aliens. I'm sure he'd love I that. I like it. Um, I've been thinking about that question, and I almost talked before we started recording. I was going to pose it to you, but honestly, I don't have a great answer. Um, there's just so much to pick from, and also the premise of all of this is pretty ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess a record makes sense technologically, but that's always assuming that there are aliens that are following a really similar trajectory to humanity. That they would even know what the hell it is. Well, they sent an instruction list with di- like a diagram of like how fast it's supposed to be played, and this is how you put the thing together. And but that is assuming a lot. But we don't really have any other way to do it, I guess. Right. Right. I mean, I've always thought this is really deep and unnecessary, but I've always thought that alien life could be of a completely different form that we didn't even know existed, and yeah. they won't even know we exist. Like it's right. just so. The possibilities would, are so wide. We're, we're operating in a really narrow spectrum right, compared a, to all possibilities. Alien life that would, we would be unable to recognize as a life. Right. Mm-hmm. This is not Star Trek where every alien is just like a slightly green version of us with weird skin. <laughs> That's all about the forehead. It's, it's how they right. do the forehead bumps. <laughs> determines what the alien is. Yeah. Uh, but uh, if I had to, I would still send a Bach Brandenburg concerto. Absolutely. Still, okay. It's still some of the best music ever written on Earth, So, mm-hmm. um, and some of the most timeless. So that's my really boring, nerdy answer. And yeah, Lu- most of what I came up with was classical. Right. Yeah, but, and music. Luke and Andrew were turning up their noses at that, well, send the Beatles. And I'm like, well, the Beatles are as good as anything. Yeah. The Beatles are one of the most influential musical acts of the 20th century. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whatever. Also, we're beaming content out into space every day. Uh, aliens hopefully would figure that out first and not judge us too harshly for Jerry Springer and <laughs> reality TV and anyway. Yeah. Well, I think uh, that maybe we can agree that to get the box set for $98 plus shipping, we found Jeremy's Christmas present. Oh, oh hey, yeah. yeah. That might be worth a couple of jams. <laughs> well, now he knows. No, oh, he's not. He I'm editing this. this right? He won't get this far. Okay, good. <laughs> Um, in totally unrelated, I don't know where this came from, news, Luke heard a FedEx guy listening to some loud music and smoking a cigarette, I guess? No, uh, that was me. Um, you were smoking a cigarette. No, uh, the uh, <laughs> FedEx guy. I've had a similar encounter recently. I was stuck in traffic, and I pulled up next to a FedEx truck, and it was this young guy like with his uniform uh, all like open. like His FedEx shirt was like open, and his bare chest was out. And he was blasting the rap music. Was he on his way home from work? Maybe? I don't know, but he was in the FedEx truck and he was smoking a cigarette and like ashing it out the door. Cool. And he looked and sounded like a giant asshole. And I took pictures. I had this thought that, um, you know, I hate FedEx anyway, but I was just like this. This is the guy who earlier 
probably threw his package from his truck onto my doorstep without even coming up to ring the bell, which happens every time we get FedEx now. Yeah. Oh, is that why you hate FedEx? Yes. This this aside, but this was just a perfect, like, of course, this is the FedEx guy. There are so many, like, security cam footage little GIFs online. Yeah, I said GIF. Of of FedEx people, like, walking one step out of their truck and literally throwing a package over a fence. (laughs) Just having it land wherever in your yard. Our UPS guy is the best. Comes up, puts it on the side door stoop, rings the bell. Even if he's just walking away so that I know to come to the door. Yeah. FedEx guy throws stuff at the front door we never use. (laughs) And uh, uh, my favorite printing company, just for work stuff, switched from UPS to FedEx recently, and I'm seriously considering changing vendors because I don't want my shit getting thrown off a truck. Yeah. Uh, Also, FedEx is much pickier about signatures. If I'm not home, they leave a notice. My UPS guy will usually just leave stuff. The only thing that the UPS guy won't leave is my Chateau Saint-Michel Vintage Reserve Club because you have to sign for it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, to, that's understandable. To prove you're over 21. Yeah. The only bad thing about that is that means your wine sits in Texas heat on a truck for theoretically two to three days. Uh, yeah. Which is pretty gross. Not good for wine. But anyway. Um, emails. We get an email from Suzanne, who is Luke's old babysitter. <laughs> <laughs> and he is uh, unaware that she was a listener. But she says it's understatement of the year to call the guy who left his scooter at Luke's house childhood home a weirdo yeah we glossed over that but um that was the scooter that luke fixed with his own two hands as a kid desperate for a motorized vehicle yeah i understand that feeling yeah (laughs) i I don't know i guess uh, replacing a belt is that really fixing the motorcycle it's not not fixing yeah i give him some credit for that when i was 16 and i had a um dodge shadow no, excuse me, a Plymouth Sundance, same car, but I had the Plymouth version. A Plymouth Sundance that was falling apart. I somehow taught myself to do more repair work on that car with no help. Like, I would just sort of figure out what was wrong and then figure out how to fix it uh, constantly. I mean, because I couldn't afford to do anything else. And that car was being held together with, with ingenuity and tape for two years mm-hmm. before it finally blew up. Yeah, that sounds. My first car was a 1988 Subaru wagon, and this was in like 19, you know, 99 or something. And uh, it was a rust bucket. It was like lace on the bottom <laughs> with rust. <laughs> and it was a great, great car. It had, I don't know, 150 or 200,000 miles on it when I bought it for $800. And it ran for like a week with no coolant in it. No coolant at all. The temperature gauge would go all the way up, and I'd be like, huh, I wonder what that. That means, oh, well, I just try. <laughs> I eventually learned how to change my own oil and how to add coolant and water and all that stuff. But it was a good lesson, um, but I also couldn't afford to like take it anywhere. So eventually it did just kind of die, and I had to leave it on the side of a, ro- a road one day. But it was a good car. It lasted far longer than it should have, given my abuse. <laughs> um, then we get... Uh, music for your weekend and as a side note luke hasn't renewed the tbtl email domain so you may as well shout your music for your weekends into the void of space because they're never going to get them uh andrew gives us hey big star by kishi bashi uh luke gives us cannibal queen by miniature tigers and listener nicole has class historians by broncho uh interesting note i think it was luke who wasn't familiar with kishi bashi i think one of them seemed a little thrown off by that they they had a song in the running for Song of the Summer 2012. 
didn't get oh. didn't get far, but I just I recognized the name because I have that playlist and it'll pop up in my iTunes once in a while. Not that song, but a different song by the same group. So uh, the things we forget. Mm-hmm. I was amazed was a that good I song. remembered. <laughs> uh, we'll go to housekeeping. Um, ways to keep us out of some jams. As mentioned earlier, uh, Ashley Gilliam did this, and you can too. Visit littleredbandwagon.com to make a gift. Any amount makes a difference, as always. Uh, and uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, we must be coming up on time soon to renew some stuff ourselves. Uh, and uh, that's where that money will go toward through things like web hosting. Uh, reach out to us if you're interested in archiving. We'll do a short uh, on that one because we're already running long pretty uh, pretty long today. Uh, what you bought on Amazon, as we've mentioned. If you go to littleredbandwagon.com slash Amazon and then order the things you buy through Amazon, Amazon gives us a little tiny bit of money for referring you as if you wouldn't have gone to Amazon anyway. Uh, and here are some of the things that you all bought recently. Someone bought a snoozer cozy cave. It's a dog bed with a cave element to it. Looks pretty cozy. I'd sleep in one if it was big enough. Um, somebody bought the paperback book Davies Savior. It's got five stars from like five reviewers. Uh, someone bought a stainless steel coach whistle with lanyard. Not just someone. Me. <laughs> <laughs> We are trying to, I guess this can count as a pup date. Um, Eddie, when he comes in from running around outside, he's usually excited. Uh, We make him sit at the door before he comes in. He's excellent at that. He doesn't come in until we say okay. But when he does that, then he sees a cat and he just is off to the races and he chases that cat as far as the cat will run. So we're trying to work on training him to the whistle to stay put when he sees a cat. Moderate success so far. <laughs> All right, then. Got a couple of more here. Uh, somebody bought a uh, CoverGirl Queen Collection eyeliner in shade Espresso 210. Beautiful. Looking good out there. And someone bought a Victor Power Kill Rat Trap model M144. Gross. Good luck with oh, that. my goodness. And an apology. A couple of weeks ago, last time I read this list, I mentioned that somebody bought a copy of The Jerk for Jeremy, and I thought that that was me. <laughs> I had my podcasters and classic movies mixed up. It was Kevin Farewell who bought the jerk for Jeremy. I bought the great escape for Mike. So uh there you go. <laughs> I can see how you get that mixed up. Well, you know, guys who haven't seen movies they should have seen. Uh somebody I think Mike was saying recently somebody was afraid that they had spoiled the great escape for him. I think it might've been his mother-in-law by mentioning that he escapes and then drives a motorcycle. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And Mike reminded her that that's on the cover of every version of the film, the great escape. (laughs) Vote for us for best of Western Washington. I'll put the link in the show notes. We want to be the best podcast in Western Washington, or at least the best podcast about a podcast in Western Washington. Top five on the list, I think, get invited to the party, and Christy really wants to go, so do it for Christy, if -hmm. nothing else. Mm -hmm. Give us your vote. You can vote lots of times, I believe, and um, at least once. I think you can vote for more than one thing, too. Yes. um, Don't vote for more than one podcast. Screw all the other podcasts. But also, I believe Christy's lobbying to get Phyllis Fletcher for best news personality or something. Yeah, absolutely. too. Uh, and with that, Anne, tell us how we can get involved. You can get involved with the show by going to littleredbandwagon.com and filling out the Beyond the Show form. 
You can, of course, visit us on Facebook on the Sends page or on our page. The show Twitter is at LRB Podcast. You can email us at littleredbandwagon at gmail.com. And you can send us a voicemail or a text at 802-432-TBTL. That's 802-432-8285. And I believe that Nerd Out Loud is still on their honeymoon hiatus They've been posting some nice pictures from the tropics, <laughs> and uh, I expect they'll get back to it once they come home this week. Yeah, uh, I'm sure they'll have lots of stories to tell from this little island in Mexico that they're on. Uh, Christy got there and immediately got really sick, mm-hmm. and it was supposed to rain a bunch. <laughs> but uh, just yesterday, Jeremy posted that it was cooling off a bit, and a nice stiff breeze came through in the evening. <laughs> So if you're interested in seeing a picture of the nice stiff breeze that came through Mexico, check out Jeremy Holmes on Facebook. Uh, And with that, uh, who wants to get us out of here? I'll do it. Until next time, this is the next party. And we love you, Jen. Nailed it. God, I'm so sorry. I just said that, didn't I? (laughs)